I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to the, the Reading, Reading Aloud, Aloud podcast. podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Guess this song. I don't, I have no idea what, bum, 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 is it Indiana Jones or? No. I'm not getting it. I was hoping you would recognize it because I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, welcome to the Reading Aloud podcast. I mean, it feels like every single adventurous movie ever. No. I think it's. I think you do this a lot. It's generic, and then you're like, no, 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 no. It's pulling at my heartstrings. It's something more. I'll figure it out. Just leave me alone. Well, you asked. All right, we got a lot, lot to share today. Yeah. We're going to talk about our fertility journey, which includes IVF. Yeah. And, you know, if you listen to the first two fertility episodes, you know that we have been trying for several years, really since around 2017. Jan 2017. Jan 2017. Um, Jan 14th, 2017 at 2.43 p.m. Gross. Um, You don't have to tell them all the details. (laughs) (laughs) so after about a year and something i guess about a year ago we started talking about whether or not ivf would be the route yeah and then we decided you know it wasn't easy for us right you know i mean i don't think it's really easy for anybody well yeah just obviously just speaking for us i think there was just this constant belief through our trying time that it was just going to happen naturally and we talked a lot about this in the first pod or in the first series being that when you stop trying or when you stop thinking about it or overthinking about it 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 just happened and I think that we just we kept kind of holding on to that and it really meant that we pushed out IVF a ways right but I'll also say that you know you and I tend to be really feeling people and generally speaking when we are making a big decision you know there's times when we're impulsive about it but in a thoughtful way and then there's times when we just and and the the amazing thing with me with you is that almost every time we make a big decision we're on the same page we'll do the like okay one two three go and we'll just tell ourselves the answer And I think that we very rarely do we get a different answer. So, you know, we just kept checking in with each other and it was like, that's just not time. And, you know, I think holidays play a factor in it and other things play a factor in it, you know, different timing pieces. But in general, it was like it just it was an option on the table, but we weren't going to rush it. I mean, at that point, you're taking all of the matters into your own hands. And I think also it does seem like a last resort in some ways um, outside of, you know, adoption or surrogacy or something like that. But it seems like a last option for having your own kid. And it really did. Like it did feel like a last option for us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's an admitting 
have a lot of people get pregnant after IVF, right? Because probably because stress is lower or whatever it is, the wives' tales or all the things your body knows how to get pregnant. And it's like all of a sudden it's like, ooh, now I know how to get pregnant. Uh, but, you know, people get pregnant after IVF, but it's still – so it's not the end of the road for pregnancy, but it feels – it felt to me like we're really saying – we're not we need help yeah in a big, it's, in yeah, a big way yeah i think that's so true i i've never really thought about it that way in just that there is a admittance there's a vulnerability there's an admitting that i, I can't do this i need help with this process and i i feel like i personally struggled to kind of come to that conclusion yeah so we sat with it and it was March of this year and right when the pandemic hit was it March or J April maybe April April maybe yeah because it, yeah. it all it all happened really fast which we'll talk about but I think the pandemic got me really quiet and you know gave us a lot of time together and I'd say a lot of people have expressed without knowing that this is what we're going through they're like I would never have a kid during this time or I would never bring a kid into the world you know, with all that's going on in the world. And in some ways I can see how that, you know, of course that makes sense. It's, it's, it's tumultuous times. Um, and I think it can feel scary for people to think about bringing, um, making a family during tumultuous times. But for me, it really felt more like it's quiet. We're still, we're not distracted. Things are focused. Things are going well. Um, I don't know. It struck me like a ton of bricks do you feel like you had the thought before or was it like did I say it first like what how did we come to this conclusion do you remember exactly I feel like you kind of just said you were ready for it boom it happened um boom it was like this was the time that's in my mind how it how it came about I, I don't feel like I I think that the pandemic kind of had a big influence on it in a way in which we we were very very quarantined as as you know most people were at the beginning and really just not leaving the house and you know just going out in our yard and that was it and i don't know something shifted there it's like everybody who got a dog except for we were like let's right. get a kid we were like okay <laughs> this is actually the time and as I, flippant as that as by the way <laughs> right <clears throat> i i think i think for me it just says something about um, the way that we've been able to make decisions in terms of timing and knowing when to say yes. And just w we, we've seen a lot of other couples who have struggled with infertility or spoken with them. And for them, it was much easier to just kind of jump directly into some sort of IVF or some other um, treatment. A lot of some people other did it treatment pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. You know, like, okay, we've been trying for a little over a year. Or and, less. Or less, and we're just going to go with this option. And I think for us, that was just much longer, but the thing was is that I, we had faith, and that, that word comes up for me, is just we had, we had faith in our own process. And I think when even some folks who were in our circle started to kind of question, like, are they going to do that? And like, are, you know, isn't it about time that they would start trying IVF or start trying IUI or, or something else? It wasn't right for us. And so when it was, we just both knew it. And that's why I don't think it was a – the point leading up to the decision was bigger than the actual decision. When the actual decision came of, yes, we're going to do this, 
I feel like that was just laid out in front. We knew then there was no question about it. Like, yes, this is the time. I want to, I want to, you know, we've, we've kind of been through a lot of the process at this point. So I want to give space to talk about all that, but I, so I don't want to go too much back into the few, into the past, but I do want to ask you like, you know, when I look back at the years that we were trying, we did so much cool stuff like floating the river, being together, like, you know, having easy weekends, lots of fun with friends and a lot of travel. And, you know, there was this overarching feeling of sadness and disappointment, you know, as everybody else was getting pregnant that we knew and um, things like that, that we were missing something, but we never... You know, it's interesting because we, we could have taken matters into our own hands earlier. And I'm just kind of curious from your perspective. It's a hard question to ask because you and I don't believe in regrets. And so it's the question is, like, do you think we waited too long? And and that's I know the answer is no. But like, you know, we suffered a lot. Yeah. And so your question is exactly what like why not a year ago like mm-hmm. or if mm-hmm. we had done this a year ago like looking back do you I think, think that we missed you know do you think like right. i mean you know last this time last year we were in montenegro like right. we probably wouldn't have done that if we were pregnant right 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 i think for us it's uh one of the one of the ways and i think there are multiple ways in which a relationship can build trust but this is one of the ways in which we really trust each other is that we trust each other's and our collective intuition And I think that both of us just kind of knew and we talked about it and it was very apparent. There wasn't ever a point when I think one of us was like, I'm really ready. And the other one was like, I'm not. That was we were both ready to have kids. Yet we were both ready. Two years ago. Three years ago. Exactly. The reason to me was that we trusted each other's intuition about it. Yeah. And we had faith in each other. All right. Well, let's move on then. So talking about it for people who are interested in hearing about it. And also, you know, I think this has served as a really supportive um, podcast for people who are also experiencing infertility and or have done been through a journey of their own and just to have some resonance because I know these days you can read about it on Instagram and there's blogs and support groups but it's a lonely process and so especially for those people listening who know us it can really help them to understand where we're at and or them to feel like they have friends in similar places so we made the decision in April it's a lot of shots it's a that's my lot. that's my that's my takeaway and if, and they start off r- right at the tell beginning. us how painful the shots are Adam. i have no idea because they were all in your body tell us about all the I've, pain I've, that I've, you endured i'm not saying that in that way i mean i'm saying it's 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 almost a, a recognition of what you had to go through especially well, leading up to the egg retrieval and then you know you know, I think that I do. I, I will say it is in the same way we talked about in our last fertility podcast. It, I am at the center of the pain. I am at the center of the discomfort. And yet you are, you know, first in line behind me, you know. So it is true that it is mostly about me in a lot of ways. But you are right. Yeah, I mean, it's your life. It's your not baby. It's your all those things. And what I have witnessed with the shots is you really hate giving them to me. Like you, 
you get so much satisfaction when you hand me a glass of water and I'm like, thank you, babe. You're like, <laughs> it's the best day of your life because you love bringing joy to people's lives, especially mine. So when you're bringing pain, when you are the deliverer of pain, it's just not like you, it hurts you. It hurts you. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I remember you like hitting the table one time being like, I'm done giving you the, you know, like, you're like, I'm done hurting you. I don't want to hurt you anymore is what you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, what's been important is to include myself as much as I possibly can within the process. And that, that is through actions, but it's also through acknowledging and recognizing my emotions around that and letting them express themselves, letting my emotions kind of communicating about them, expressing them to you, because it draws me into this process. Obviously, it's not my body going through all these changes. It's not my body getting all the hormones pumped in. But you've always done that, though. And we've talked about that before on the podcast of like, once we got engaged, everything was our this, our that. And you've always been really good at that. Yeah, but I haven't really always been good at expressing my emotional side around it. And, you know, I think with giving you the shots and being kind of the first line of interaction and a relationship, especially during COVID that we were experiencing, it was a practice for me to also be able to express myself when I was at the same time receiving so much of your emotion and kind of your reaction. So there was a there was effort there. Well, everything I've heard about the progesterone and oil in my butt is that it's going to be 10 times worse than these tiny little mosquito bites in my in the fat of my belly. Those are into the muscle, they're in oil, so they don't like to like flow in all nice and easy and they're it's a much bigger needle and I won't even look at it yet. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to those so, at all. So, okay, so just really quickly the process went we just we made the decision. Yep. We also made the decision to leave one um one fertility institute for another that was also part of it is we were sitting with not really loving the people we were working with and so when we finally made the decision to change over we made an appointment it was like the at the end of the week we had the appointment and then it was like okay and we told them we were like we're not looking for other solutions um unless you like feel super strongly about something else we don't really want to go through xyz we'd rather just go straight to ivf and i think a lot of people have asked this is like i you know for the small handful of people who know but like why didn't you try this that or the other like you know whatever and it's just like i don't really i just don't want to suffer anymore. Like this, now that we I'm ready, done suffering, right. I'm done suffering. We were ready to just jump right to, we didn't want to go through the different process. And that was our decision and that worked for us. But like, yeah. A lot of people have taken the steps like IUI, for example, was a reasonable next step and they've had so much success. So at the end of the day that, you know, we had that appointment and then he's like, okay, you wait for your period. And then we start the shots. And that was that simple. So we, you know, it happened really fast. It happened so fast because so then fast. we go back in. And so then we're in for appointments and basically what they do is they, you know, they start you on medicine. It's shots in the belly. It's lots of different pills and things to prepare your body. And this is a really cool fact that I, I didn't know any of this, but every time you uh, like have a period basically you have a number of follicles in your body and they all start to produce little 
eggs and one will be will quickly kind of become the dominant one yeah. and the rest You'll have will have one potentially two dominant follicles right and really then, just one yeah, yeah and the dominant one grows to x amount of size um i can't remember exactly but at one point i knew like that it's tiny but it grows to the size and it either gets fertilized or that then you have your period so this process so, so they're taking that process and then they're magnifying it by a huge amount which is why we're giving you the shots and taking all the pills so every single follicle grows to the like you would think it grows to the size that the one grows <laughs> but it doesn't it grows to like, like the size four of, times the size correct yeah. every single follicle so some people have 40 so you become a frog you become a frog you become a frog you have all these eggs in your body that are grown to the size of apples babe. apples apples small apples. apples but apples apples that's a lot it's a lot i felt like a big full frog frog which is great because we have a lot of frogs in our neighborhood and we uh, love to interact with them. They're our friends. Yeah. And then you just became a frog with multiple, I think you had, what, how many well, follicles? Well, I only had 10. Well, they only extracted 10. I think I only had 13 to begin with. I remember they counted and it wasn't it wasn't 15. Well, they you had more than that, but they grow to a certain size, remember? I think total I had 13. Yeah. Because they only took 10. Yeah, so you had multiple. You had in the teens. Yeah, but some, most people have, I mean, and they, what they hope for is like 20 plus. But then if you get into the 40s, then you're like, have sometimes that means yeah. you have PCOS. So anyways, there's this window. But I think I was on the lower side of the window, although they're so good to be like, celebrate every success. They're like, you have 10, you have 12, you have 30, you know, and like, they never once say that's a low number. They're mm -hmm. just like, these are all options. Well, I think, you know, a couple of my takeaways during the time when we were making you a frog and growing all of these follicles to their fullest extent in your in your body um number one how quickly it happened i mean we were we went and you said you know we had waited and we just talked about this we waited years to go through this process and we kept trying to naturally get pregnant and it just never happened for us for for several years but we pushed off ivf and then when we made the decision it was all of a sudden like boom and within what felt like I mean, it really was a matter of weeks, but it, it felt quick. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, hear all these things, and before we know it, you're going in there extracting eggs. And, I mean, it was it, it just happened all so fast, and we became very quickly intimate with the process. I mean, we were going to the doctor's office, uh, to the fertility daily. clinic, daily at least twice a week. It all kind of it whirlwind us up. And I think personally for me, I wasn't fully prepared for that time commitment. And so I think that that's one of my takeaways and, and would offer as, as advice to anybody going through this. It is, it is a full on, you know, commitment. Oh, it's a, so a, time a consuming. It's, it's very time well, consuming. Well, and the other thing is that you're not operating. I mean, I, this is what, this was my experience with the very first appointment. She's like, can you come in for lab work and your first ultrasound to see how your follicles are doing? And I was like, she was like, can you do that, you know, tomorrow? And I was like, how about next Monday or Friday or something? And she was <laughs> like, she, she was just like, no. And I was like, oh, Oh, okay. So like yeah. work and everything. Yep. Everything goes on hold. Everything had to go on hold. And I was like, 
okay, so we're like, we made this decision and we're committing to a full-time job. And it was because of course, everything about the shots and all of that is really emotional. And then the body's experience is really emotional. And then, you know, at, at this point it's like, then you're going in for the egg transfer. And then if you're pregnant, like it's all happening, you know, it's happening. Yeah. And it, you know, look, as we're describing this, it's, and I think we might've talked about this, but it was really a blessing that we were doing this during coronavirus and during quarantine is you know because we were home I was able to take a break and give you a shot during the middle of the day and it wasn't you know you weren't having to do that for yourself or I wasn't having to leave work and drive somewhere and do that I mean at one point we were doing shots every like 18 hours so it was or no like every every 22 hours so it was like it had to be like one day it was at 6 p.m then it was at 8 p.m you know it was like and it was just like the timing, it was really all about my body. Timing, and, quantity, yeah. um, uh, you know, schedule, you everything. Know, two pills here, one pill there, five pills here, seven pills here. Next day, one pill, two pills, five, seven. You know, I mean, it was just crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. And, you know, they, we had amazing doctors who were guiding us through the process. But, yeah, it, it really was time. Our it really was, was time consuming. Our doctor is amazing. Um, and then our nurse, because we have a little satellite facility here in Asheville. Our nurse was incredible. So then we planned and we went to Winston-Salem. We stayed overnight. You know, you do the trigger shot. It's all like trigger shot. Trigger shot. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Which basically just explaining the trigger shot really quickly, it, it, it basically um is one last boost as I mean I'm not explaining it scientifically here, but it's one last boost getting the eggs all ready to be extracted. Yeah, top notch top-notch <laughs> eggs so you you do it i think what is it uh 13 hours before or something like that um 16 hours before and so yeah it's in, then we do this bigger trigger shot and then we go in drive to winston-salem so so then the process you know they take out they take, they put you under thank goodness and they take out which we had individuals experiences with this so you, you yeah, go with yours, yeah, because you go in and I'm... No, I'm, they put me under. I started, you know, they put me under. That's about the extent of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can tell you about... Yeah, they put me under and when I, I woke up, so, you know, there's... Our doctor has great protocol, but... I, and, you know, I know this is just in case your ears are sensitive to pain. Don't listen to this, but, you know, it's interesting because being a human is painful and being a woman is really painful and being a woman going through IVF is really, really painful. So I'm just going to be honest about the experience. But one of the ways that they create a good place for the eggs when they're doing the the transfer later on is they scratch the inside of your, your, like your uterine lining. So basically they wound it. So it's kind of sticky and scarred and not scarred yet, but like in a healing place it's healing yeah and it so it, it makes stickier. it this sticky and i woke up like shortly after that because that's it was just like it didn't just the pain of that didn't just go away so i woke up and i cried and then the next girl went in and <laughs> behind me and was like probably nervous <laughs> but you had a really interesting experience yeah so um with mine you know i'm not i'm not in the room with her uh, when they're doing that, but they take me out in the hallway and they set me in front of this glass barrier where I'm looking at the lab. And it's, you know, they have this like scoreboard clock, not a clock, but a, like a scoreboard with the double zeros on it <laughs> up at the top. And what you see is. And they told you to watch for. Yeah, what they told me is that, you know, 
they would do i think they would do you know there was something where they said you know we're going to bring out a, a couple of um petri dishes and then they'll, they'll look in the petri dishes they'll see the eggs they'll count the eggs and they'll save those and you'll you'll be able to see how many eggs that they're getting you know and she'll click a button and it'll go up on the scoreboard Okay, so I'm sitting there, and it's it's kind of awkward. You're, like, sitting in the hallway in a chair, just, like, in the hallway looking in the lab. and uh, But that's fine. But you're sitting there, and so they bring out the first Petri dish, and they have two techs or, you know, two lab techs. Uh, actually, embryologists. Like, embryologists, yeah, yeah. Big time. Uh, two embryologists uh, looking at microscopes, and she puts the Petri dish under the microscope, looks at it, kind of like shakes her head pass and I'm just watching from the other side of the glass. So I'm not really interacting with these folks. Um, she passes it over to the second embryologist. She looks at it, shakes her head and then just like dumps it in the trash, <laughs> in the trash <laughs> down. The and I was like, uh, okay. Okay. I guess we're going to wait on them. You know, round two, I'm only thinking this is going to happen like one or two times. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty afterward when you explained it to me, you were like, I thought that vial had them in it. Yeah. And then, then it was gone. I just, I immediately, I was like, Oh shit. You know, because it was really one of the first times where it was like, Oh, okay. Like this, this is not going well. Like I was having that feeling like this is not going well. Oh no. Oh no. Because then they brought out a second Petri dish. Same thing happened. No, no dump it. And I was like, is it like, do we not get yeah, any eggs? What, what's going on? You know, little did I know they kept bringing them out and they kept bringing them out and, you know, one and then it made its way up to 10, which we ended up with 10 eggs. But it was a really, it was one of the first times through, it was probably the only time through the IVF process that it was like, this is not going to work. This is not working for you. It was really I've had scary. more of those yeah. experiences than you have, but yeah, it was crazy watching, you know, but the scoreboard <laughs> clicked up to 10. We got 10 eggs and that was super exciting. And then we went to the beach. The next day was my birthday and yep. I tried to like have a parade and do things, but my body felt terrible. No. Yeah. yeah. It was exhausting. My body was really sore and I couldn't really stand a whole lot for whatever reason. It just didn't work. So, and then we went to the beach a couple days later and waited for the news of yeah, we went to the beach like one day yeah, later. Yeah, we decided and to then, get away and we, yeah, rented our we, own house yeah. at the beach. And, and we yeah. waited for the news and it was really, it was really, really, this part was really fun. So basically we were waiting to see how many of the 10 eggs fertilized. And then the next day we got a call every day and the embryologists there were so amazing and they talked us through it and they were like, basically you're waiting. It, ha it has like a five day window to become a blastocyst. So it fertilizes, then it does like exactly like biology class, splits into two cells, then it splits into four cells and it continues to split exponentially till it gets to the hundreds and then it builds a shell around itself and then it breaks through the shell which which makes it a blastocyst and like you think about um yeah you just think about like how much actually like when when you're not going through IVF you think about oh I got pregnant a couple days ago but like to but when you're in IVF each day is like a huge a, a new that's what I mean by that's what I mean when I was saying earlier about how intimate we became with the process it, it wasn't just all of a sudden a couple of weeks later I found out I got pregnant and the whole 
the the thing was oh we're trying to figure out the day it was that day one day one day, day two zero, and we day know two, how many cells two. oh it's split from two cells to four cells right because some of them didn't eight. split yeah. right so all 10 fertilized and then the next day only nine made it to two cells you darn right all 10 fertilized <laughs> <laughs> one point of pride that I have. I'm, take it, babe. Take it because a lot right. of our pride has been taken from us. That's right. <laughs> Period. Exactly. I'm going to be proud that uh, all 10 fertilized. Well, that was a proud moment. Yeah. Good Seriously, job. Good, good job. job, team. Good job. Good job, boys. Yep. And girls. <laughs> and girls. Yep. Yeah. Good job, Adam. Yep. Yeah, you had great, you had stellar sperm. And if anybody wants to know, there was a couple things Adam did to some like medicines um, that he took as well. So, yep. you know, if people have specific details about the medicines and stuff. He did some stuff that really helped out. So with just intimacy with the process. So, you know, once after they extracted, then they call. No, but and I want to say they... what happens. I want to say what happens. So, so on yep. day one, nine of them made it into splitting into two cells. Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, all 10 fertilizing was, I mean, I, I both about that but like that actually was a big deal that that surprised them that uh, 10 out of 10 fertilized they were expecting like six oh that's right they did they expected Mm -hmm. half or something to fertilize i i was not like when they told us that i was like i'm not surprised because you know we didn't do iui we didn't have no success with a bunch of other stuff the only thing we didn't have success with was clomid letrozole and then just trying to get pregnant the good old-fashioned way we didn't have success but i was like see there's really nothing wrong with us we probably could have done iui and i got all cocky and kind of like yeah of course and so then i was like whoa we're gonna have lots of fertilized embryos so you know days went on and you know it was interesting some split into four some stayed at two and it just kept or one went to three it was like so interesting and this is what i'm talking about it's like it really was like every day like you know each they and, call you every day. Yeah, for with five or six days. Yeah. And, you know, embryo number three only went to three cells. And the next day it did go to four. And it, so it was behind a day. And it's like, again, you're just so connected to the development of each one of these embryos. And so by the end, seven made it to blastasis. On day six, by day six, seven of them made it to blastasis. And my soul is like, well, we're going to end up having seven babies. And well, and I want to talk about that because <laughs> I was like, how old do I have to be to have seven? Ba- like, how, when will I stop having babies by the time I have seven? So, they- which is a crazy thing to think about because I, I think what we're getting to, and sorry to cut you off, I, I know, you know, this is kind of your, your experience to share, but I think, you know, going into this, we, we, we didn't ever think necessarily about the fact that we would have multiple i mean i think we knew that we would have multiple fertilized well i um, want to hear your perspective embryos but i I, you know our mind was really just tailored around we're gonna get pregnant with one One baby baby. right and and that was as far as personally i saw in the process oh we're gonna get pregnant this is going to get us pregnant with one baby and then at this point in the process when all of a sudden we had seven uh, seven like fertilized blastuses i mean growing growing embryos all of a sudden it was like oh wow there's seven what did you it's think not of that just one what did i mean because we were faced with you know if they if all were normal we were faced with seven normal embryos like what did you think of that because and i am pro-choice and for the first time in my life i and so it has nothing to do with other people's decisions or even my decision at a different time but seven 
you embryos felt like you were attached to those seven that were yeah. five days old felt like like you're in my babies Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I started looking at farms online. <laughs> what did you really um, think? So we're gonna need a couple what? more bedrooms. I, honestly, I, I throughout this process, like I felt the attachment to each in a way, but my brain works in the sense of well, let's just get one and see from there. Like I I'm I'm always a little bit more like cross the bridge when we get there, and I think that annoyed you a little bit at certain times. Me being like, well, let's just have the first baby and then we'll we'll figure that part out later. I'm sorry if that's frustrating to you now, but like that really was. But I will say I was surprised at how connected I did feel to those to the seven. That was just surprising. So we to me. made I did a decision. We made a decision that not everybody makes. It's one that you know adds cost, and so we made a decision to do genetic testing. And I remember this is where the cockiness kind of set in. I thought ten eggs fertilized, seven made it to blastocyst. They were expecting a total at this point. At every stage, they expect like less and less. They were expecting maybe two. So the fact that we had seven out of ten eggs extracted was. An enormous number. And that, and so then all of a sudden I was like, well, we're going to have seven amazing eggs, right? Okay. So we do the genetic testing and we get a call back. It was like nine at night. You know, our nurse works around the clock. It was like nine at night. She's like, are you ready for the call? I actually didn't realize what call we were getting. Adam did. And we're on the phone and we're talking. She was like, okay, how many babies do you want? And I was like, uh, at least one. And she was like, okay, great. You've got at least one healthy, viable, compatible with life embryo. And I was like, okay. Or she said, how about two? And she was like, well, that came. How about two? And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, like, and then she was like, that's what you got. Yeah. And then it ended. We, we, I think there was something in us that expected her to say like, all right, well, you have all six healthy. Seven, six, five. Two. Count two. One, two out of seven. We automatically went from seven and all of these opportunities all of a sudden to so two. This is where it gets serious and this is kind of where we're at now. But like, you know, essentially, I mean, it really she was really, really kind and was like, don't be sad. This is actually for, you know, I mean, she didn't want to say like, you should be grateful. I mean, she's the best person in the world. But, you know, what I'm reading into it is she's like, Marisol, you had 10 eggs, period. Like that, like she didn't say any of this, but what I know now is that's a low ish number. And then to have two healthy embryos is an incredible outcome for 10 eggs. It's a high percentage. And then we actually have four that are compatible with life. So three of them, which was interesting because I asked the embryologist, I said, so what happened to the other three? And they said, well, you know, we dispose of them. And I was like, wow, you know, I had gotten this number seven in my head, but like they weren't even compatible with life, meaning they wouldn't, it's not, they wouldn't have made it in any situation. Yeah. So we, so what we have is, are two healthy embryos and they each get a rating so kind of our highest rated one is one of them which is like the the best size the best internal cells the best external cells external cells being the ones that are made for stickiness um and then we have one that's like the next size down which is also kind of the best and really great internal cells and average external cells so stickiness so you know for me it was all of a sudden, if I can just interject, I mean, I think it was just this, 
you know, when we found out at that moment, there was just exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's big reality check. Was going to just work out, work out. Every process was a breeze. And I read on Instagram, this woman was like, she just named it. She was like, you think when you decide to do IVF that it's surefire. And I don't know why we think that. But it's I think, not. well, right. But, and I, and like, you think you're paying all this money. It's like you do, you think that it's surefire, but like, honestly, 10 years ago, I mean, the medicine has advanced so much, even in just 10 years. I mean, 10 years ago, the percentage rates were lower, much right. lower. And I think we have a great doctor that has really high percentage rates, but like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all of a sudden the the possibility that this wouldn't work out just kind of came and smacked oh, us the in the biggest. face. We were it's, on, and it has it smacked us in the face, and that's kind of where we're at now. It's like you know we're we're still very excited, but it's, well, I've come around a little bit because I think I think day one like that. I we called our parents right after that. We called my parents right after that call late night, you know, and I was sad crying and you know they're like well why are you crying you have this option and you're saying we have this option and I'm saying I'm just grieving the fact that we don't have as many options and now we have two chances to have one kid all we need or really want is one kiddo that's what we want we want a family with a kiddo and now we have two chances for one kiddo. And then, you know, it was interesting because I've had a few conversations since then that have really settled me as we prepare for this transfer that have settled me like just, you know, stories of loss, stories of disappointment, stories of IVF gone wrong, and stories of miracles. Stories of faith and miracles and just like, yeah, miracles. And it's, you know, just like mm-hmm. you don't know the outcome, like just because it looks grim, you don't know the outcome. You, it's 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 a constant. Yeah, it, it's 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 a constant state of unknown. And that has been, you know, we we talked about that in the first fertility series. And I think that throughout the whole beginning of this process, it felt known, known, known. And then just in the past couple of days now, it has already it has suddenly seemed It's not unknown. that it all felt known, known, known. Because as I listen to you say that, I think, gosh, are we just like naive to the end? I like we were a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but we were naive through the whole process. And I kept saying, like, let's get realistic. Like, let's stop thinking we're going to get pregnant every time we have sex and whatever, like on the right day or whatever. Like we, I kept saying, like, can we please stop with the false hope? And then we got into this and, and we just picked the false hope right back up. And we, and it's annoying. I don't know. I'm just annoyed. But the miracles are like, I think the miracles are that there's just more than meets the eye. Like there's more going on than we can see the deepest unknown. But, you know, I do want to talk about these other, you know, I, we got to talk to the embryologist and learn about these other babies and the two others that are compatible with life. And one is a trisomy. And what the embryologist said was either like kind of the good and bad of this, this particular genetic um, mutation is that either it will miscarry in the first 12 weeks, like kind of before, I mean, I, I can't say that a miscarriage is ever better or worse, but like 
she just said it happens early. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, once you get the, the positive pregnancy test, any miscarriage is just a devastation. But I don't think like if I thought that maybe it could miss, it had a, like a high chance of miscarrying in the third trimester. I mean, that that's hard to, um, so it's like it either miscarries early on. So you just kind of go in knowing that that's a high possibility or the genetic mutation corrects itself and mm -hmm. only 1% are born with an actual genetic mutation. Isn't that interesting? So that yeah. one is in some it's ways. It's amazing how it self-corrects like that. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like it just, it, it like grows out of the mutation. And so in that way, that one is an option. So now we kind of have three. And then the fourth one is a genetic mutation. You know, I, w I will kind of just share a little bit about it, but it's, it's also compatible with life. I just don't know how happy, you know, you, when you bring people into this world with differences, you and I are so loving and so open and so totally capable and would be excited to usher any human into this world. And, you know, our world is a freaking cruel place. Yeah, I just saw I think, on I think, Instagram yeah. a bunny, a hairless bunny, like a weird looking hairless bunny. And the, the people said, please, no negative comments. The last picture we showed of this bunny got so much hate, we had to take it down. And I'm like, wow, the world behind yeah. a screen is a hateful place. Yeah, I guess I just want to share what came up throughout this and especially with, you know, some of the 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 um, trisomies and, and the different, you know, possibilities here were it's these situations in which you don't really know how you react to until you are actually the one in that situation. And this was a lot of that around children and life and raising and kind of the future and making those decisions. And, you know, we, we're not at that stage where we have to make them yet, but like they are in front of us. Those decisions are in front of us. And I think when you're not in those shoes, it's, you know, is one thing. And I, we're still in that camp. I'm not saying we've made decisions anyway. Because I just echo what you just shared around that we're loving and capable and able to do that, but it's it's such a different emotion when 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 you are when you are in those shoes making that decision. And I think that's a good reminder for us about the the power of of personal experience and decision making, um, and and projecting what should or shouldn't be done in a situation. And so you know I I think that that this is just one small example where that was true for me. Well, it's also a lot of power to have to bring, like I'm going to bring a child into this life that has a genetic. So what we have is a Kleinfelter's baby, which is two X chromosomes and a Y. So it's genetically a male, but it has an additional X chromosome. So it's very much, it's not that, you know, I asked if it was a hermaphrodite. It's not that it's actually, different in but it has a lot of feminine physical qualities you know and maybe subdued masculine qualities and it's you know it sounds you know like a beautiful human being but not one that might be happy in this world or feel accepted or or uh, you know I don't I, I I can't say and you know we would nurture that individual to the greatest capacity but you know there's something around the neck 
being shorter and like there's just there's like some, there's some physical deformities yeah, too mm-hmm. like a shorter person and and you know I, you know just like a lot to navigate um and i think intellectually probably just fine you know so just like can you imagine being intellectually totally with it no cognitive I, maybe i'm wrong about that but like no cognitive um issues and then knowing that like physically and but then but then but then the geneticist said some people don't even freaking know their Kleinfelters till they're married and trying to reproduce. They go in for testing because they're having issues with infertility with their spouse. Um, and they find out that they that their sperm count is either low to none because they have Kleinfelters, but they never knew. Yep. That, that is the stuff that makes you crazy. Right. Because if, yeah, if, never if A and B yeah. don't work, and we and trisomy deletes itself in the first trimester and we have one freaking shot left with this Kleinfelter and that's possible that they could not even know i hate this that's role. that's the situation that we're in right now i yeah. hate this role but not for, i hate this that, role that's, i don't I mean, want to choose yeah <laughs> we're choosing everything yeah it's it's not the first uh, I you know it's not the first decision that we have to make but I, it is it I is out on the table. Say. That's what I thought you were gonna say. As I was watching you not really know what to say to me, that's what I thought you were gonna say, which is that just be in the present, Mighty Soul. Stay well, one I, step I, at a time. It's not like, that you know? it's not present in in our reality right now. Of course it is, but like. I also don't believe in, and we're processing it right now. Well, also, let me just ask you, if we only have one kid and or two, are we just going to throw the others in the trash? We can, we, our choices are d- discard of them, donate them to somebody who is wanting to have a baby and put our sperm and egg together, our biological child to another person or donate the embryos to research. And, you know, I mean, I could see us donating the two, the trisomy and the Kleinfelter to research. I think, you know, that if that helps research, that's great. Um, and those are beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know we don't have yeah, to decide. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 Right. And and I guess I'm being hesitant here because that is the real situation. And I haven't like I don't know what I would do until I'm put in that situation. I also know that situation will eventually come. But we're we're years away from that, literally years away from that. I agree. Except for just in the same way that I mean, this whole maybe thing happened. Quicker, but yeah. yeah. Just in the same way that this whole thing happened very fast. It is also those decisions might happen fast as well. And they're curious conversations to me. I mean, sometimes I just think, what's wrong with a conversation? And I know, and I also will navigate this as it unfolds. I'm not going to make a decision today and then be like, that's the decision we made. We have to right. stick with I it. Mean, I mean, yeah, I guess I struggle with the conversation because I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, I feel like making different decisions is kind of where the conversation goes. It's the conversation is based off of what decision would you make and why, right? What decision would you make and why? And I really don't necessarily see the value in taking myself there 
because I don't know why I would make that. You know, it's it, there's too much unknown for me. It's not a de- like you're focused on the outcome of the conversation instead of the conversation. Okay, like the wait, l- let's try to have a quick conversation around it. That you know, it's an interesting position to potentially be in to have an option to either have a Kleinfelter's baby or not, or give a Kleinfelter's baby to research or not. And part of me, like, I think seeing potential, like for example, for example, learning that the trisomy one is actually an option because when she said it's mosaics, meaning it's got, uh, some of its genes are mismatched. So not all the genes are, you know, paired, um, and, you know, equally paired the way that in quote unquote, a normal, you know, and I was like, but I, then I, so that felt very sad because it did not feel like an, it felt like bringing a genetically, you know, different person into this world and having to make that choice. And then talking to the geneticist, I find out that it actually would self-correct most in 99% of cases it was self-correct. That's great because I was willing to talk to her about it and have these deeper conversations. I learned something that just settled my soul. Like we may right, never have to right. well, that's, use yeah, that. Totally. That's, that's, I, I hear that that's information about like well this is information about you i still have trouble figuring out like other than having a conversation to gain more information around like what the possible outcomes are when can i dial up my husband and have this conversation (laughs) will you please wear a sign that says we're allowed to talk about this now yeah i'll go make a t-shirt and i'll wear the t-shirt at that time so annoying Okay. I mean, I mean, it's okay. It's scary. Okay. Here's the truth, Adam. And then we'll just end here is that the whole thing is really nerve wracking and it's scary. And one of the ways that I deal with nerves is to ask questions, to talk about possibilities. And when I find out that like, basically when I talk through certain scenarios and at the end, I find out that in any circumstance, you and I are going to be okay. Then that's the, then that just puts me at ease and mm-hmm. you won't give me that when you won't talk to talk through some of this stuff with me. Yeah. I, I hear that and I apologize. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. I mean, again, it's, I think for me, it's just, it's, it's, it's difficult to, I'm, I'm happy to try to answer as many questions as I can, but it's it's hard when I when we know what our next steps are right now and we know the potential of those steps and it's it's hard to again I can talk about what's more information or playing scenarios out in a way but it's it's hard to talk about like what decision would you make and I felt like the conversation often goes in that in that thing of like why would you make that decision or what decision would you make it does and it doesn't like it does like those are the questions being asked but if you read between if you read between the lines then you see that it's really just about like supporting me through the difficult fears do you see what i'm saying there yeah i see what you're saying the it does it comes out as like a line of questioning yep impossible questioning yeah i i I, I hear that. I, I hear there to me. Yes, there are multiple. There are like different strands of the ways that the conversation can go. And you're just looking for support. 
I, you know, and, and like to, to talk it through in that way. I, you know, I guess it's also my experience that as we've had these conversations, they often go towards what, what are the decisions and I'm not willing to have the like decision based conversation. Do you need support? Are you afraid? Is that why you won't talk about it? No, I'm not going to talk about it because (laughs) I, (laughs) I'm not going to talk about it. Well, I'm not going to, again, it's, it's, I say that broadly, but it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about like in terms of like which decision would I make that's really key because I will talk about it in like playing out scenarios or this this or that but like I I don't want to think about right now what would it be to have three kids if we're, we're still not even close to having one what I'm hearing you say though is you just need to like process mm-hmm. you just need to process and I need to do a better job of processing all of that with you even though it's difficult for me mm-hmm. like where I personally come from and this is not a shot at you but where I personally come from is that process is energy wasted like I'm wasting energy mm-hmm. there I'm wasting emotional energy mm-hmm. on that on playing out those scenarios what Bec- else do you want to be doing golfing I mean what else could we do I mean our lives working are working on my short game uh, yeah. our lives are absolutely consumed by this and we just found out this information and so in general I can't think of a better way and so i process with I, my girlfriend i i hear that i hear that and we and also it helps. And, we, and it helps and I, then when i come back i'm all fine and then we can go play golf i feel like i'm just i know i feel like i'm just expressing there like why why this and you're just fed down and it's like well why not that's bad i'm just kind of saying where i'm coming from and and it's again i started that out and i said it's not a shot at you it's not a shot at your process i'm just explaining how mine's different I don't mean to make it, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to make it always contradicting you or, you know, whatever you say and you're expressing is not good enough. I guess, uh, yeah, uh, that was just my way of continuing to dialogue around. And I know it's not a shot at me. I'm just, it is still curious to me, like, what else would we be doing with this time? Because there's, you know, there's only one thing on my mind. And I appreciate that. And it's a good, it's a good question. What else? And I think for me, just processing like processing doesn't waste energy because there's nothing else i'd rather be doing right but here's what i'm saying i need all the energy i want to put all my energy into processing what's in front of me the fact that we are gonna you know go through the rest of this ivf process and potentially have you know one kid in our lives can i just ask one question yeah go ahead what does it look like if you lose energy on this process do you become irritable and tired is that kind of the 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 bottom line outcome like if you if you were to over process the wrong things and you say it's wasted like do you do you lose steam like i'm curious cuz i don't ever come to a point where i over process well so much you know? i i don't i don't think so i mean i i when you say wasted energy i'm just curious what it looks like for you tired snappy yeah yeah i think tired i think like anxious you know, it makes me anxious because then I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm just anxious. That's what, that's what emotion comes up for me. Like I'm thinking about things that I don't know why I'm, what's going to happen, you know? Um, I think I get anxious too. And I think you try to stop me from being anxious, but there's a little runaway train and I do always come around, you know, but mm-hmm. I do, I think. Yeah, you do always come yeah, around. Yeah, but and, I do and get I've, anxious before I come around. Yeah. It's like somehow part of the process and maybe that's where I can learn to shortcut. Like, do I have to go to the place of anxiety before 
before, you know, coming around. Yeah. It's like six podcasts in one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for thanks that, for babe. Listening. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks for that. I'm glad we, I think that that's an area that it's just, it's just an ongoing, it's a difference in us, but it's also something in which we learn from each other on. And that's the beauty of a relationship. And the fact that we're having these conversations is so, in my opinion, on point and meaningful. So thank you for having them. Thank you, babe. Love you. Love you. Love y'all. And those babies. Bye-bye. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.